0: What's up, Batty Bees? I'm Brianna, mom, wife, serial entrepreneur, and host of the Badass Basic Bitch podcast. Each week, I sit down with a seemingly ordinary woman who's doing extraordinary things, and I get to share her story with you. So let's go. Buckle up as we're going to get real and dive into the shit nobody talks about. Welcome to the Batty Bee Club.
1: But that self-esteem, if it's low enough for a long period of time, and that's what bullies do, they continue to diminish your self-esteem and then ultimately can change your self-concept. When you change your self-concept, it's a really powerful thing that can change the way you view the world. This is why we have people committing suicide. They didn't originally want to commit suicide, but because somebody was bullying them for X amount of time, we find that kids really come into this change of self-concept and therefore have a hard time coming out of that.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Badass Basic Bitch. On this week's episode, we have communications expert, Jamie Hamilton. Jamie is a professor of communication and uses her social media platform to educate people on how to communicate effectively. And today, we are going to be talking all about workplace bullying and how to respond in certain situations. So Jamie, thank you so much for being with us. Hi, it's so good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to have this chat. So before we get started, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Sure. I am Professor Hamilton. Um, That's how people typically know me on social media. Um, I have three kids, a husband. We live up in the mountains of Utah. I've been teaching in higher education for over 20 years and just recently decided to uh, retire, if you will, uh, from education and move into the social media platform I am a world traveler. I've been to 23 different countries. I taught in the United Kingdom at the University of South Wales for a year as a co-lecturer and also a graduate student, which was the most incredible experience ever. And so my experience with learning about uh, different cultures and diversity and feeling what it uh, feeling what it is like to be a minority myself in a culture where uh, I would be the minority, Um I I feel like it kind of led me into an interesting path uh, when it came to education. So I have been teaching at Indiana University for, gosh, oh, 14, 15 years, um, and then moved down to Florida, and I taught at Florida State College um, for a year, and that is where my perspective and all of it really changed. So I am a diehard communications person, I mean, through and through my public speaking teacher came up to me after my first public speaking speech and said, oh my gosh, you have this really unique way of talking to an audience so much so that it almost is like you command them to listen to you. And I went, okay. And she says, I've never seen anybody with that kind of magic. I want you to consider communications. And I thought, I didn't even know it existed. Right. And so I just looked at her and I said, is that a degree in talking? And she goes, Kind of. And I went, sign me up. <laughs> I don't That's mind talking. So, <laughs> I don't funny. like math, but I can do talking really well. So um it was a wonderful uh experience and introduction into my field. And I never left. I just, I love the students. I love the atmosphere. I love the learning. Um And I, you know, I just, I just fell in love and never went back. So, and it brought me to Utah, ultimately my husband's job. And um we're kind of, on a mountain with a bunch of snow all the time and just enjoying finally this spring that has come in. So it's kind of just a very basic background uh, from where from where I'm at. So my childhood was a little rocky. Little is a lot rocky. Came from an extremely abusive childhood background. Um, and it was it, it was rough to be in the middle of that and also a religious kind of, if you will, abusive situation. So um, coming out of that and deciding that I was smart enough and strong enough to actually be who I knew I could be um, or who I wanted to be was a real turning point for me. Um and from there I picked up a grammar book <laughs> <laughs> because I did not know how to write Well, coming from a tiny little town and really an abusive family situation. And I read it and then I started writing. And from there is history. I went through college and course of my life changed. And I'm so grateful for that. But it's that that turning point, right? A couple of turning points for me that brought me to this point here.
0: Wow. And what drove you to start creating um, on your own platform and social media?
1: I, you know, I had been sitting on this idea about bullying for a really long time. And as a communication scholar, I feel like we tend to um, harbor a lot of the information that we know will help people in their everyday life. But we tend to not like um, move it into the applied communication area where we see people focusing on how we can really apply this in an everyday context. And so as I was talking with the students, and I mean, both bu- this idea of bullying came up, and we're reading about some theoretical issues uh, regarding power, and I asked them about bullying, and it was just a really an inquisitive question, because as I'm reading through, I have these ideas on how we can help our kids with the power of language and, and communications. And this idea had been, I've been sitting on it for a really long time. And so I asked my students down in Florida State uh, Community College, and it is—it's a very—it's not a poor college, but a lot of marginalized students go to school there, right? So we we had this conversation. I said, "Tell me what is the worst bullying phrase you've ever heard?" And they said, "Go kill yourself." And I was like, "Yeah, that'll do it. That's probably that's probably the line." And they were like, "I was told to go kill myself every day from this kid in high school every day." And I was like, "Wow." So I turned to the whiteboard and I said, okay, if this, you know, go kill yourself is considered a one-up or a domineering message, which we can talk about, um, what would be a neutral way to, to kind of um, mitigate, if you will, or diffuse, right, that situation? How could we come at it without increasing the tension? And they said, well, I don't really know. And I said, how about, no, thanks. I enjoy living and then move on with your life. And they went, Oh, okay. I said, so let's practice that. And so I had a student come up and they, you know, I told them, I said, go kill yourself. And they looked at me and they were like, no, thanks. I enjoy living. And then they walked on, and I was like, what, take me a second to even come up with a response before I even walked away. And They were like, that really works. And I went, I know (laughs) (laughs) it works. It works really well. And so from there, you know, trying to sit on something that we know is so powerful in communication studies and moving it into the broader spectrum, it's kind of a leap of faith, right? Because while the the theoretical underpinnings of this principle have been tested, they've only been tested in the power dynamics of marriages. They've not been tested in any other power dynamic, yet we see a very similar power dynamic where we have people wanting to come into the space of claiming power, whether or not you're married or not. And so I thought, you know what, let's move it into the bullying situation. And one day I just thought, okay, I'm just going to, let's just do it. Let's just, let's see how people respond. And I threw out an anti-bully TikTok and it just went, it went nuts and went went viral. And I was thrilled that people would be very interested, but then I was heartbroken because of all of the messages of the people who were like, Hmm.
0: Yeah. That
1: me happened to
0: me from your perspective. Like what is bullying and why do people do it?
1: Yeah. I'm going to actually read you the definition uh, of bullying here. Um, uh, We, we really want to be very careful about how we're defining bullying because uh, first of all, to label somebody as a bully is difficult in and of itself, right? Because it comes with Um, this labeling theory that we would assume happening, right? So we don't want to label our kids as bullies, even though kids are calling people who are bullies who are just really mean, right? And we could talk Mm -hmm. about the difference between those two. Bullying is what we would consider to be, um, it's an ongoing and deliberate misuse of power. And I'm going to deconstruct this a little bit as we go in relationships through repeated verbal, physical, and our social behavior that intends to cause physical, social, and our psychological harm. So what we're seeing here is it has to be an intentional, deliberate, ongoing behavior that undermines either the psychological, the physical, or the emotional aspect of a human, right? And what we're interested in more than anything is that it is the misuse of power, and it is power that can alter what we call the self-concept, and as a part of that, reduces self-esteem. Now I'll tell you the difference between these two real quick because it helps us to really shape how if you will the National Center uh, against Bullying this is their definition and how we have reshaped that a little bit to understand what happens to the victim. So if a victim's self-esteem, self-esteem is like a continual notion of how you feel about yourself in any sort of self-concept. So I might have high self-esteem when it comes to my intellect, right? Um and that's just Uh, Self esteem is kind of this very malleable. It's a very, uh, it's shifting all of the time. And I can have low self esteem in uh, an intellect, but it might not change my self concept, but it could. And I'll tell you why. Self concept is a stable set of understanding or uh, self perception that you have of yourself over a variety of different contexts over time. So, for example, I might say that I am really smart. uh, And I feel smart and I feel empowered about my smartness, if you will. And one day somebody might come up to me and say something, even on TikTok, had people say, wow, you should go get, give your degree back. Nobody needs to hear from you. Clearly you don't know what you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. That actually might hit me because they're words and I can't make them not hit me. Mm -hmm. And it might impact my self-esteem and it might make me feel like, oh man, I'm not really, not really great at this. You know, for a minute, my self-esteem, everybody's is very malleable. It comes and goes highs and lows, and it just shifts all the time. But if somebody's self-esteem is low enough for a certain period of time, it can affect that self-concept that is a stable set of perception that you have about yourself over a continual period of time. And if it's that self-esteem is low enough and people keep telling me that I'm stupid, my father told me I was stupid every day you know, for years and years and years. And I just generally believed it until one day when that professor walked up to me and said, listen, you've got something. And it took one message for me to switch that self-concept into something more dynamic. But that self-esteem, if it's low enough for a long period of time, and that's what bullies do, they continue to diminish your self-esteem and then ultimately can change your self-concept. When you change your self-concept, it's a really powerful thing that can change the way you view the world. This is why we have people committing suicide. They didn't originally want to commit suicide, right? But because somebody was mean to them for bullying them for X amount of time, we find that kids really come into this change of self-concept and therefore have a hard time coming out of that. So while I agree with this definition, I we like to add the impact that this could have on the victim right? And it's a measurable impact. And that's what we really want to see coming forth with anything that we're doing with bullying, whether or not it's in the workplace or in school or in family.
0: Hmm. So just out of curiosity, because you're saying it's really the impact, like uh, currently, like I'm a pretty stoic person. So if someone is coming at me that I know constantly throwing this stuff at me, but it doesn't affect me, Because I don't, I have at this time in my life realized like, I don't care what that person says or think about, thinks about me. Like I know that I'm not stupid, whatever. Is that still bullying? Because they're still, they're still doing this continuous purposeful messaging towards me, even though it's not having that impact that they want. Is that still bullying? Mm
1: -hmm. I would say that it would definitely still be considered bullying on the part in so much that the behavior is continual. Got it. In other words, we can't tell you when that will affect you. It might affect you tomorrow. It might right. affect you, you know, a week from now. And so, to whether or not it is negatively impacting or not negatively impacting, we would say that eventually it would negatively impact you. In a got way.
0: it, got it. Um,
1: people are very resilient and very strong, especially. I would say it impacts people most when it's from people they trust. Mm, yeah. Right. So there's a uh, people you don't like, I mean, people are going to say all kinds of things to me online and, you know, whether I want to agree or think that it doesn't impact me, it does land on me. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: You still have to think about it. You have to process it. You have to put it away. Like it's, it's still consuming you in some sense.
1: Yeah. And so if it reduces your self-esteem or if it messes with your self-esteem, we definitely would consider that bullying without question. If it undermines or changes your self-concept to a negative viewpoint without question bullying, I would say even the behavior just coming from the individual, even though it doesn't seem to impact the victim, it would still be considered bullying. The measurable impact is the self-concept piece. So we would be able to measure, if you will, this notion of bullying based upon that.
0: Got it. So then let's, let's look at the workplace bullying. What are some ways that this shows up? And, and like, I think we can all just understand that based on your definition of bullying, this is something that's happening in the workplace. So what are some different ways
1: that it can show up? What does it look like? Oh my gosh. Workplace bullying, I feel like can be so covert in nature Mm. Workplace bullying, is. there's so many elements to unpack. So let's start with the notion that there is a real risk or, if you will, a cost to the victim if they speak up against bullying, right? Because there's a monetary issue that's happening there. We need money to survive. And a lot of people don't have the luxury to move from job to job. They have to be where they are in order to provide for their family. And so that piece, feeling like you're stuck, right? Because of that need being met will allow people to stay in a workplace bullying situation for years and years and years. And as we've already said, eventually, those situations will impact the person without question. Uh, We see it in the form of stereotyping and discrimination, gosh, without question. Um, I think, you know, when we see women in the workplace and they're not soft and they're not motherly motherly, right and they're not um they're not coming around to make sure everybody is okay they're not checking on you know yeah they don't prescribe to the the typical stereotypical roles that culture our culture has um really put in place right so what happens when women step out of that is where we see a lot of bullying happening mm. women who won't ask you how you're feeling every day because they don't have to. Uh, women who don't have to use um, soft tone and language and wait to wait to be called on, you know, women who say their mind in the middle of a man's sentence, right? These are the ways in which we see uh, women having a really hard time um, with bullying. And we really not a hard time, but we, we really see women being impacted and seeing bullying in the workplace in that way. This ultimately leads to what we would assume to be mistreatment, right? Let's say, you know, and in my field, there's a lot of men in my field. Um, and I am not, I'm not one to cower under a man. Like you can look at me and I'll happily just look right back at you. <laughs> like it's a mm-hmm. brand it on friend. <laughs> um, but in a lot of ways, <laughs> I, I recognize the perception that they're going to have of me. Right. And I have to be okay with that. Okay. So part of that is just recognizing that you can get into this perception and be okay with the way they're going to perceive you. And a lot of times they don't perceive you well. Now my field, a little more, if you will, liberal, um, the power dynamics are a little more equal, but still not equal. Um, and really stepping into a man's world and then talking like a man And not being soft and interjecting when you feel like you need to, you know, those are the things that can be very difficult because men don't like that, right? Powerful men and some powerful women, let's be honest, don't like that, and therefore will flip the switch. And they'll say, nope, you're not invited to this. Or they'll just exclude you on things. Or they'll not copy you on certain emails and exclude you in communication and purposefully make you feel like you're isolated because you didn't fit the stereotypical norm of what they think women should be like. Mm -hmm. When that happens, oh, a whole mm, I mean, I am not a human re- resources human, right? Like I think that there are people who can speak on this uh, from the human resources side, especially in um in 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 the workplace, but we do find that in a lot of ways, women, people who are marginalized um don't know their rights, they don't know what they can do when this happens. If they report it to a supervisor, it's just gonna make it worse, yeah. How do they move beyond that? How do they take control back? Uh, and I think that's the um, that's the really hard thing for us to teach women and how to empower them, basically, in that space. So, yeah, I would say any woman who is in a man space and they are operating in a and and talking and verbalizing and with their and also nonverbal communication in a very manly way is going to see some impact, without question. Um, how they respond to that impact, right, is going to be, is key.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because I have been in a workplace bullying situation myself and it was from another woman because I, I am the kind of person that does interrupt. I am very to the point and matter of fact. Um, And that's just my, that's just been my personality. I just hate wasting time. And I also need to understand the context to everything. So if someone puts up data on a slide and I don't understand it, I will ask questions to understand it. And I think at that time, it was really viewed as I was embarrassing her, I was questioning her because I would point out that some things were incorrect or the data was skewed or the data was not representing well and um it, it didn't fit the storyline that she was saying and I was pushing back and I did not care that she was a woman or not or a man I I was just the data to me that's what I saw and it was interesting because I I'm also the kind of person where it's like if I think that there's any kind of Um, conflict or anything, I am not shy of it. And I will just go directly to the person and be like, Hey, what's going on? Are we good? Did I offend you? Like, let's communicate. Let's work this out. Right. I'm very much like that. And I was in such a situation where it got to the point where it was so bad, where I went up to this woman and I was like, I am hearing that you've said X, Y, and Z, and I'm hearing this and that and that, but like, let's just figure this out. Right. So we had sat down with each other and my boss for two hours going over everything. And I felt like things were good. The second I left that meeting, she turned to my boss and bashed me. And my my boss told me because he was very transparent with this. And I was like, how do I... With this person, and then it started happening where C level folks would come to me and be like, How's your relationship with so and so? and I'm like, I don't know, I think it's okay. It's like, Well, you should really, you know, spend some time with her. You should because then I realized this woman was going to everybody and trying to get me fired, like saying all these things about me, saying I'm doing all these things. and, And finally, it got to a point where in a meeting, she had literally stood up in a meeting when I was pushing back on something and was like pointed right in my face in front of everyone and was like, you are the reason you are a liar. You are this you in front of everyone. And I just sat there and I looked at her and when she was done, I just said, okay. And that's all I said was just, okay. And I went, I went to the, I had a meeting with the C-level, the CEO and the COO. And I was like, this behavior is, is so triggering to me because it reminds me of a past relationship. I know these signs. I know these feelings it's, and it's not just me. All of a sudden people started coming up to me and being like, she does this to me too. She does this to me too. And I, and I just was, I realized that I was at the point where nobody was fixing it Mm -hmm. and I didn't have to be there. So I quit, I quit. And I wrote this long letter of why I quit and how, um, upper management didn't do anything about it. And they, they're letting their people down. Now, fast forward to two months later, that woman was finally let go because other people started quitting and referencing their experiences. And they lost that company lost like seven solid people that cared about the company that wanted the company to work all, spe- all because they had this C-level, very toxic, insecure bully, just constantly attacking people and pointing the finger on other people. And I think, you know, th- to me, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this was to one, help other people identify what is bullying feel like and look like, right? Versus... um you know, Oh, I, well, I did make the mistake, right? Oh, sure. I called, I did this that I could have done better, but like, what does it actually look like? What does gaslighting look like? What is finger pointing look like? Um, so that they can identify those experiences and then how can they either change it or move on? Right. Oh my
1: goodness. I, yes. To all of those things. I'm really sorry that's happened to you because I feel like that probably happens. Uh, I was bullied by uh, a superior of mine, right? At some point, and not, not in the same fashion, but something that made me feel like I should be ashamed to be a mom and be a professor because being a mom and being a professor is not, well, back, you know, 20 years ago, wasn't a thing, yeah. right? You, yeah, You're either super young and you don't want to have kids or, you've already had kids and they're already grown. So you don't have the pressure of being a young mom and being a professor. So uh, I'm really sorry that happened to you. I will tell you, um, would you be okay if I gave you uh, some advice or advice to your audience if that happens, what they might be able to do? Absolutely, absolutely, please. I think people are begging for it. (laughs) Uh, I think that the best way to approach any situation like that is what a lot of people use this term manage up, right? So when you are, you know, uh, you have a manager, but you're actually doing the job of your manager better than your manager, you kind of, you know, try to finagle this way in which you are managing from the under underscore of that. So, Um, I would say in a way, manage up, but not manage up in the way in which we'd see tasks, but manage up in the communication style. So a style that we would assume that they should have as a superior um, who understands their uh, their employees and the people that they work with. So I would recommend every time you would hear about it from somebody, I would make a meeting and I would say to them, I'd use what we call perception checking. And perception checking is just this way in which To uh, understand the perception of the person you're talking to. But there's a second rule in perception checking that's really interesting. It allows for the person to recognize that you know what's happening and that you would like to talk about that. And so it comes in three parts one is to state the behavior, two is to state, two possible interpretations of the behavior. And lastly, to ask for clarification. So what you might do, as soon as you hear that from a former, another colleague, you set a time with a person who's being a bully in maybe a space where people can hear, right? Not in a closed room, but even then it's fine. And I would say to them, uh, so-and-so, I've noticed that uh, people are coming up to me and asking me to spend more time with you. Um, Is that because you're feeling really disconnected from me? Or is it because I'm not being clear about some of the things I am managing or, you know, a part of? Can you give me some insight? I love that. And just they'll sit there like.
0: Right. Because you're not, you're not like, I hear you're telling people. There's not attacking. It's just like, people are saying this and I'm going to make some assumptions. And I want to, I want you to clarify what that is. I love that.
1: And your assumptions cannot start with you language. So Um, you are doing this, you are saying this, that's not an option. So uh, another example would be, let's say, and this is, I encourage somebody to do this. Um, This woman who is Indian had a name that her male peers, uh, superiors could not pronounce, right? But they could, obviously, because they know English, like they know language, right? And they know phonetics, right? English or not. But They purposefully chose to call her a totally different name. And she would ask, please don't call me that name. This is my name. Let me help you pronounce it. And they would just refuse to do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And so what she could do is walk up and say, you know, I've noticed that you are not calling me by my name. Is it because you don't know my name or is it because you're having a hard time pronouncing my name? What is happening? And just and then in that moment, and people who are in HR, listen, take this tool, friends, okay? In that moment of clarification, they will come out with discriminating thoughts, um, racism. They will come out with a gender um, stereotyping. Of, well, I don't even know why you're here. You know, you don't even belong here in this country. All the things that we hear, right? That people hear in real life. And... Those are the moments that you take to HR as evidence that this person is not not appropriate. Or they might reel back and go, you're right, can you help me pronounce it? And then go slowly. And then you help shift, right? The respect that's happening with just the name calling, not name calling, but the misuse of her name. And so this idea of perception checking is probably one of the most powerful tools that I teach my students. And in any workplace environment, it. I mean, and let's say you go away from that situation and your boss is like, oh gosh, she's such a B. I can't, starts doing all this thing. She can't do that. She's so untrustworthy. You know, she's not reliable, all this stuff. The second you hear about it again, make another meeting. I'm hearing from so-and-so and and call out those people. Okay. Because they be on your team now. Right. Right. The so-and-so that this is that you're upset with this. Is it because you know, you don't perceive me as being reliable, or there are things that I have missed in the project list. You know, be specific and they'll go, oh my goodness, once or twice of that, and they will stop. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah cuz you're calling them out you they have to they have to come up with the evidence of what is actually truth and and if they come up with evidence then it's like okay I did miss those things that is the problem like this isn't maybe not bullying but this is frustration of me not making
1: the deadlines or saying doing what I say I'm going to do absolutely and you can use this in marriage your husband comes home late every night You don't want to say, are you cheating on me, right? Instead, you might want to say, I've noticed you've come home late every night. Observe behavior, two possible interpretations. Is that because you have an an abundance of work or is there traffic? Okay, Uh, ask for clarification. So what's going on? And then let them try to explain it. (laughs) Now, in this process, what we do is we give the person an opportunity to really clarify a misperception that we might have. That's so why it's called perception checking. And if we can gather the perceptions and understand each other a little better about where we're coming from in a particular communication event, then it becomes a much more effective way to communicate and move forward, especially in conflict.
0: Yeah, I really like that. I get a lot of messages of people like, is this bullying? Am I being picked on? And so it's always, almost always women. And they just don't understand the situation. Like there's some examples of like, I'm working so hard. I'm meeting all these numbers. My male counterparts get get raises and I am constantly but being put down. Um, or gas, like it's like gaslighted or whatever. What are some identifiers that people can, that you could tell them that they can say, Oh, I need to recheck this situation. Am I being targeted?
1: I think that in any circumstance where they feel like they're doing a substantial or um, a decent job, right? They're doing the job, right? Even at its bare minimum, okay, that they're doing the job. That if they feel like somebody is making them, gosh, I wanna say, if they feel like somebody's making them feel like they're worthless, or they're not doing a good enough job, even though they've done the job and they've done it to the satisfactory level, if people are constantly making them feel like they're not enough when they're doing a satisfactory bit, that is when you need to wave that red flag and go, what what actually is happening here? What kind of communication is actually going on? Are you purposefully trying to make me feel low so you don't have to give me a raise like my male counterparts. You know, do you purpose is the communication similar to what they would maybe have in their marriage if it's coming, you know, from a, let's say, a male superior or even a female superior? We, I don't know that this would be, it comes more from males, but man, there are a lot of cunning women out there who are superiors, right? So I think if they're constantly making you feel like you just haven't done a good enough job when you have done a you know a satisfactory job and nobody has questioned that then i think that's certainly a red flag i think if you feel like it's because you're a woman a red flag sometimes and you know i tell my kids sometimes if it feels wrong it's probably wrong i'm just saying (laughs) you know you know don't You're going to stick your finger in the light socket. If it feels like it might be wrong, it's probably wrong. I would say that a gut feeling is really key here. You know, nobody wants to work in an environment where they never feel like they meet the mark, even though they're meeting the mark. I have a sweet friend of mine who works in this uh, profession where she's a researcher and a lot of people have quit and she has taken on the responsibility of all of these people, but she has not been given a raise. Right. She's so frustrated. She's like, I am like doing the job of six other people. And I, and you know, when I talk to them about giving me a raise, they say, Oh, but it's just really for a short time. Right. And my response to her is exactly this Well, if you can't compensate me for the long term, then you're going to compensate me for the short term. So please figure out that number and I will counter offer your number. Yeah. And then give them a date. I expect to hear from you next week and then move on with your life right? Yeah. So yeah. I think that in a lot of respects, if you feel like you're being bullied, again, repetitive behavior that messes with your self-esteem, right? Then I would I would absolutely move forward in talking to somebody. Um, definitely always put it in writing without question.
0: Great. Yeah, that's really good. Let's go over some civic uh, scenarios. So we have the boss who's consistently singles out one employee for criticism, even when their work is like good quality or or meets what they said to do. So the boss may use language that's harsh or belittling. Uh, They may use their position of authority to make that employee feel powerless or embarrass them in front of others. How does someone handle that situation? I, I mean, I
1: would definitely use the perception checking tactic that you mentioned earlier. I would also pull him aside. I would even ask if I, listen, I'm a pretty harsh person, but I'm also, I have learned to operate in a very male communicative way in my space. Right. So if they are embarrassing me in public, I'll happily ask the question in public. Right. Yeah. So if you have the audacity to make me feel little in front of all these people, I'm going to call you out, but I'm going to call you out using perception checking. Excuse me, Mr. So-and-so or Ms. So-and-so. I've noticed that you keep calling me out that I am not doing a superior or a good enough job. Is it because you don't like me as a person? Like, am I like my brown hair is a problem? (laughs) Or is it because I'm genuinely not doing a satisfactory job in which I'm going to need some sort of documentation to state that? Yeah. Okay. Now, what is going on? and then put them right on the spot and what you'll see two things will happen number 1 they will be caught off guard right and they're probably going to be mad and just expect some not um retaliation maybe but expect pushback right number 2 is you're going to empower every single person in that room to speak up when yeah. they are feeling that way because guarantee it's not just that one person yeah. So I would definitely, and I personally, I would do it in public. I am a very charismatic, like in your, I can be in your face. I don't have a problem with that, right? You know, 20 years of, you know, directing a nationally competitive speech and debate program is not going to make me a <laughs> soft spoken human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would also, though, for those people who don't like conflict in that way, I would pull them aside and I would actually do that probably in front of, if they're aggressive enough, let's say that <laughs> it's going to use different language, but mm-hmm. if they're aggressive enough, um, to do that in front of people, I would not have a conversation with them in private.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause we want witnesses too, right? You want someone to, to witness this, witness it. If it does continue to escalate. Um, yes. yeah, this is interesting. I, I asked for a meeting with his supervisor. Yeah. I had, um, I worked with someone who always found a scapegoat, always found someone that they just treated really poorly. My recommendation when that happened to someone was, because they they would say, yeah, you are doing a really shitty job. And it's like, well, you ch- keep changing my job. You know? And and like you say, you want me to do A, I do A. But then you're like, no, I want you to do B. And then I do B. And then you're like, no, I wanted you to do A. And it's like, but you told me not to do that. So my my recommendation was always like, if you have someone like that, where you just seem like you can't win, it is saying, okay, for the next 30 days, what's my priorities? Let's write this down. Let's get it in the email. Let's agree upon it. So then the next 30 days, when you tell me I'm I'm doing a shitty job, I can go back and say, here are the things you told me to do. And I got every single one done. How am I doing a shitty job? Um, So it's like, sometimes you just have to really document. The other thing was like, this happened to me. I started a new job and I had, um, who was a high level person said terrible things to me and I let them finish. And then I looked them dead in the eye. And I said, if you speak to me like that one more time, I'm not even going to give you a two weeks notice. I'm just going to leave. No one talks to me like that. And they never did again never did again and it felt so empowering and so sometimes it's setting those boundaries of like this is not yeah and that my 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 because my therapist taught me this dealing with like narcissists in the past is like when communication escalates like that I am very notorious for just looking at people and being like this conversation has turned to be not is not productive and I'm going to hang up now or I'm going to leave the meeting or I'm going to walk away and let's try again in 24 hours. And then you walk away and then you hang up and then you leave. And it was like the most empowering thing because people don't talk to
1: you that way anymore. That's right. And you know something I'm going to tell you a lot of you, you're, you're an expert. Okay. Like there are some people think they're good at communication and they're not. You clearly have a great communication understanding about what, what creates effective communication, because what you just just described there is what we what 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 we would call complementary or um, parallel or sorry symmetrical t- type of communication in which if somebody is escalating it, you use a different conflict pattern in order to diffuse it mm-hmm. and then come back to the issue at hand and I'll tell you what when you walk up to somebody and sometimes that's what it takes, and i i I don't know how. Important it is for women to recognize the cost of your mental health and being bullied in a job is not worth the money that you're getting from it. Yeah. There are other, call me, send me a message, right? We will find another avenue for you to make money because sometimes it takes exactly what you did to walk up to somebody and say, don't you ever speak to me like that again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that is true of your students. Any teachers out there, right? That is true of your partners. Courses. That is true of the people. <laughs> yeah. Partners, people who work for you. If you ever speak to me like that again, we will no longer be communicating, right? In a way. So I think what we would consider that in my field is we take up space. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. We are taking up, you have said something, you're talking to me and you're trying to make me feel little, but I will not feel little and I will claim my space back and that is how you do it exactly and I'll tell you, just a little just a little tip for people out there who are in the middle of a conflict and you your boss sends you like you said a message that says you know I've done this I've done this you know or please do this do this do this do this as part of your job responsibility that documenting is very very key more importantly that documenting, of that information coming from your boss is what we would call an implied contract. Yeah. There are a lot of states that will just fire you for whatever reason and not even have to tell you. But if there's an implied contract that says you are responsible for X, Y, and Z, and you do those things, and then you are let go, you can actually take them to court. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Surprise! I never mm-hmm. knew that. But it has to be specific tasks. Got it. Like oriented in most states.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. So it, it's, we have, there's so much more power um, that we can have in the workplace for sure. But that communicative power that you just described, that I will not take this any longer or I will happily walk away is key. We have to be able to claim our space.
0: Yeah. Okay. Good so job. This is, I mean, I, I, it took me a lot of therapy to get to that point. <laughs>
1: No, listen. I get you. Listen, listen. I get this
0: you. This is not. This is not naturally made. This was paying someone lots of money to coach me because I, you know, for for example, was in a marriage where I allowed my. I I'd never had boundaries. So I allowed people and my ex to talk to me and treat me a very particular way. And when I got divorced, I needed to understand how I allowed myself to be in the situation that I was. And I. I made the promise to myself that I was never going to let that happen again. And no matter whether it was with friends, partners, work, whatever, I just wasn't going to allow it. So, but here, here's a question I have is in terms of the coworkers, when you work with coworkers, they're spreading rumors, they're gossiping, consistently excluding them from work conversations or even like happy hours. How do you deal with this because this one is hard.
1: It is hard and I think first we have to we have to recognize that there is uh the people who are with that person at happy hour probably don't want to be with that person at happy hour. Mm. Let's just call it what it is, right? The people who gossip are the people who gossip about everybody. They're not friends with you, right? And they're gossiping about everybody in that same circle. So chances are it's more of a power play, you know, um, uh, an inclusion play, you know, be part of the cool kids group, right? Mm -hmm. You know, come to happy hour. We're not going to invite this person or um, I would, gosh, you know, this is where we got to just grow a little, right? Get another friend group within the office space go to your own happy hour and then invite the people that that person has invited. Yeah. Or or even that person. That person. I was just going to say that, or even invite that person. And what happens is the control of social dynamics uh, doesn't rely on that person who's excluding talking about you, you know, again, use perception checking with that person. Chances are because they're an equal power within the organization it It's probably not going to change, so yeah. you can always just let' them know if it continues, I will move this up the chain, yeah, I've documented it, so let's just have a professional civil relationship, yeah, you, know, you don't have to like me. I don't like everybody, <laughs> yeah, I like the idea of of
0: trying to do your own thing, happy hours a great example, and including the person who's excluding you because I think there's something. Like you said, it produces that power dynamic of like, I don't care that you don't invite me, but that's not who I am. I'm going to include everybody because that's the kind of person I am, Like, period. Yeah. Stay, staying true to yourself. Yeah. This one used to be me and it, I meant no harm on it or like bullying about it whatsoever. It's my personality and I've worked really hard on it, but some people do it mi- maliciously. When they constantly interrupt or talk over other people during meetings or dismiss ideas or suggestions, um, how do we confront or mend that relationship with someone like that?
1: I love this question. You have described what we call stage hogging. So there are a multitude of poor listening habits that people have, and there's not a single person who doesn't have at least one. I, hi, I am a stage hogger too. It's nice to meet another (laughs) stage hogger. It takes a lot of takes a lot of practice to not interrupt unintentionally right so mm-hmm. there's two things to consider well three actually to consider here number one is the relationship you have with the person so if it's a relationship that you actually value then you'll want to you know say something to that person who is stage hogging and we'll talk about how in just a second if you don't have a, a, a like an important or valued relationship with them then you know you can just exit and not try to, you know, get into a conversation with them again, if if possible. Workplace is a little different. You might have to actually address it. Um, Two is, oh gosh, I forgot the second one. It'll come back to me. So in a relationship that is valued, what you want to say, you, I mean, you do have to bring it up. Like if it were my brother and he keeps doing, he keeps doing that to me, like, bro, (laughs) like when you interrupt me, it makes me feel like, you see what I did there? observe behavior when you interrupt me and then use an I statement to understand your feeling, yeah. it makes me feel like you don't care about how I'm feeling. And his response and most of the responses of people who are stage huggers because not everybody does this on purpose, right? Um, our ADHD friends, hello, right here, right? Yes, yes, we we also have this kind of tendency because we're very impulsive, and so we um, we tend to do this without recognizing it, but. Knowing that you do it, and then you can pull back. Man, it's really hard because it's a lot of self control to sometimes pull back. um, Will allow you to basically uh, just practice that resilience that is needed to to not say anything and to let the person finish. But when I say this to my brother, I say, "Bro, I, I, you know, when you interrupt me all the time, I feel like you don't." care about what I'm saying, like what's happening and be like, Oh, I didn't even realize I'm doing that. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. sis. I'm so sorry. He still calls me sis. <laughs> I love it, so cute. Anyway, sis, I'm so sorry. Okay. So, you know, it, it, I think that approaching it with the people that you genuinely care about is necessary because chances are they have no idea that they're actually doing it, right? People you don't care about or at the workplace, maybe you can kind of just not avoid the situation or just recognize while you're in it that you're not going to say a word. <sighs> Like, there's nothing, you, this is not a relationship that's worth anything because you you cannot communicate with somebody who's a hogger unless they let you in their life, right? Some people, you know, that's why a lot of people who do it unintentionally have a hard time with friendships because we don't know that we're doing that and therefore we have a hard time building those relationships. But the people who do it intentionally, okay, who purposefully talk over you when you're You know, welcome to a board meeting. Welcome to a woman is in the middle of a sentence and a man, most of the time, or a powerful woman comes in and just interrupts you in the middle of a sentence. You can wait until they're finished or you can interject. Use your nonverbals. Excuse me, right? That's huge. Okay, be careful with that one. You can also wait until they're done and the second there's a pause, go as I was saying and then continue what you were saying. Even if it's no longer relevant and it's been five minutes. Yeah. Okay. What that does is it brings the power back to the person who was ignored and it allows for the people to recognize that wasn't okay, right? In a public space, it's a little kinder if you wait till the end. I don't like to wait till the end, but. You know, I like conflict. So yeah,
0: yeah. I, <laughs> I don't mind. I, it I, I'm the same way. And I have gotten so good at not interrupting people because I'm very aware of it. Um, but when I know I'm being interrupted on purpose, I'm I'm like, I'm not done. <laughs> I'm just yes, I know, yes. I don't even apologize. Oh, I'm like, I'm not done. You just wait. You just wait. Like I feel like, you know, talk to children that are excuse Like you didn't even come up to me and say, excuse <laughs> yes. me. If I'm talking. Do you see me talking? I'm talking. You don't interrupt my conversation, child. Like go sit down. Um,
1: yeah, yes. but I'll tell you what I have. My seven-year-old is I'm positively sure ADHD, but she was so cute the other day and I wish I would have had it on a video recording. She said something to me. I was answering a question and it took me just a second to answer it. Then she started to interrupt me. And, um, she said, well, I don't and then she saw my face and she goes, Oh, you can continue saying what you were saying. <laughs> and I went, <sighs> What just happened? <laughs> I was so excited. Like I, I just couldn't believe that she self-regulated in the yeah. in that communication. Yeah, that's Listen, if my seven year old can do it, anybody can do it, right? But it's hard to do. It's impulsive. You also find a stage hogger if they are constantly turning the topic of conversation back to themselves. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: if it is, you know, they're they're like one upping you on a story. that's the worst. I I really enjoy sharing the stories. But yeah, you have to kind of reel back if you're a stage hogger and if you're talking to a stage hogger and You know, you may need to just be honest with them and say, this is happening. Please tell me because I don't feel valued when we're talking. So most of the time they don't know.
0: I like that. I am dealing with this last one myself and it is, I mean, I know how I deal with it, but I think it's good advice for other people. Coworker, employee, boss, doesn't matter. Um, who sends inappropriate or threatening emails or messages and then acts like a normal person. I deal with this. Or like, Mm -hmm. so it's so bizarro to me. It's like super triggering because it reminds me of like past relationships with narcissists in the past of Mm -hmm. like sending these messages and then being like, oh, I saw your thing on Instagram. Your thing looks so cute. And I'm like, Why are you being nice? Like, why are you talking to me? Why are you being nice to me? You literally just sent me this awful, nasty message. Like, we're not friends. Like, we're not friends. How do we
1: deal with that? This is cyberbullying at its best in high school, right? Let's be honest. I mean, Um, I know
0: how I deal with it. And my (laughs) tactic is just whenever I get those messages, I always go back to, this is not a productive conversation, period. But it's to me, it's the then, how do you then, five minutes later, like, send me these nice, sweet, you're so so awesome, you're so badass, you're this. And I'm like, ew, like, I can see right through it, but all the other people you're doing this to might not be able to. So like, how do we help them?
1: So that's what we would call kind of an incongruent communication style, right? Where we have somebody who is sending a nonverbal code, but it doesn't match their verbal code. Okay. So while, you know, the written form is what we would still consider to be a nonverbal code. Verbal is anything that is spoken or signed. Okay. In a way. So we want to be sure that you're recognizing there's incongruency there. It's not the same. It doesn't match. Therefore there's deception, you know, sort that out in our brain next when they come up to you and they're really nice to you, but they've sent you a really mean something, um, or posted something really mean about you on social media or whatever the case is, use what we call a statement of fact. And I would say something like this doesn't coincide or this doesn't match what you sent me earlier on the email. You told me I was X, Y, Z, right. Or I'm in that's interesting that you're so happy about this right now, but you weren't happy in the email you just sent me. You see, yeah, it's yeah. a statement of fact. This is a factual thing. I see that you are, you, you're being very nice to me. Why weren't you very nice to me on the email? You mm, see, Yeah. ask a question Use what we call a statement of fact, but really it's a question. You know, you could even use just a regular statement. Um, You're nice to me here, but you're not nice to me here. Can you explain what's going on, right? Then follow up. So I like to always tell people who are being bullied or who in the workplace or or in school or in family that if you want to respond with a neutral message, it's not conflicting, use a statement of fact. Um, why were, Why are your emails so mean? Or these emails are very mean right yeah. you know anything that is just factual bring it up in that moment um i like you know this is not a productive conversation but you're right that does allude that you're going to have to address it later right yeah. so yeah. if you don't want to address it later you can just say okay you're nice here you're mean here who are you <laughs> right <laughs> call them out on it a little bit um, um, which one do i who do i trust what's going on <laughs> right and i think our kids who are in high school and college who are dealing with cyberbullying in that way yeah. I, listen immediately when you said that to me my response is so passive aggressive and it's not healthy okay i'll be the first one to admit it i would have gotten a t-shirt that said exactly the things that were on the email and i would have wore it to a meeting like <laughs> like uh let you know i just because i just i really enjoy kind of stirring the pot a little bit I and mean, it's not it's my it's kind of my jam sometimes but if you're going to be passive aggressive with me I'm, I also understand the very, very deep intricacies of conflict. So sometimes I like to play with those little notions. But yeah, that would have been what I did. But don't do that. I'm not going to recommend that to people. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like the, like, um, what, like, like something I think I've said one time is like, what has changed in the hour from the email that you sent to this message? Oh, totally true. <laughs> I kind of push back on that a little bit because it's like, when I read this message, you're very angry and threatening to leave the company, but yet you're like, I absolutely love it here. I love, I love working for you. It's like, so which one is it? You know, what has changed in the hour? Yeah. So it's that's, a, good to ask. that's an interesting one. Um, okay. So I know we don't have much time and I think that the next couple of questions I have is how do we be allies? So like, how can allies and bystanders support someone who's experiencing workplace bullying and what role can they play in creating a more, like a safer or more supportive work environment?
1: Mm, I want us to really walk into the uh, idea that we are allies with the use of our space, okay? So for example, if we know somebody in the workplace who is having a really difficult time with um, with bullying and somebody is, they can see that it's happening and it's right in front of your eyes and maybe it's in a, go and just walk and stand in that space with them, right? So when we teach our kids in school, you know, you see somebody who's being bullied, but you don't wanna, you know, get in the middle of conflict and you just want to help them, though. All you have to do is walk into their space and stand next to them. Yeah, right. You don't even have to say anything; just stand next to them. Same thing is true in the workplace situation, especially in social environments. However, if you are um, if you are being targeted in a nonverbal way via email or you know one on one meetings and things like that, you know I would definitely seek out a friend within the company that you can go talk to, right? that person becomes uh, an an ally for sure. then I would see if you can create an environment where that person joins you in the meeting for -hmm. whatever reason, come up with a reason. Well, we're going to do this and this and they're going to join us here and just, and go about it that way. Um, You know, there are always friends that you might have within the workspace that you can do that with, invite them in. Well, I've invited so-and-so to join us in our meeting because they have a couple of questions. Will that be okay? chances are the person who is being a bully is will not reject them. No, it just needs to be the two of us, which sounds a little sketch, right? Yeah. So, oh, of course they can join us, right? Um ask a friend to come with you if they're if they're struggling with any of that. Um I think that's that's pretty key. Yeah, I think allies and of course communicating. Like I said, if you speak up in a public space uh, against somebody who is bullying you, chances are You're going to have a flood of emails with people going, oh my gosh, that happens to me all the time.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: And there you have a pretty good ally team.
0: Yeah. I love that. What piece of advice would you give anyone listening if you could just have one piece of advice from today's episode?
1: I think I would advise them to figure out ways that they can claim their space back Mm. again, you know? We have been in our society culturally to feel like, made to feel like we should be smaller than X, Y, and Z. And I think that that cultural underpinning and perception that we live under as women specifically, that we should recognize that we don't have to stay there, right? we can actually take up space. You can use the armrest on the airplane, okay? <laughs> that man does not need to take that friggin' armrest, right? You might be little, but you big in personality, okay? Let it take up some space. Excuse me, sir. I would really like to use this armrest, okay? Or excuse me, sir. I'm going to use this armrest, right? However you feel comfortable or just take it. <laughs> Yeah, what I do. First come, first serve. <laughs> wait, listen, get in that seat. I I think that it's important for women to know that, and, and you know, anybody who's marginalized, honestly, that they have a power in words and their words take up space. They go beyond who they are, depending on how they're using it and what they're using, right? We don't want to ask questions after something. So do you think it's okay if we do this? No, I am going to do this right? That takes up space. Do you think it's okay if we do this? Doesn't take up space. And it's really okay to ask questions. It's okay to perception check. It's okay to claim your space because women deserve that in our culture. And we have big enough personalities that we can certainly do it. And yeah. if I can give a piece of advice is to use your, your body and your words to reclaim and to take and to keep your space. Well, this has been
0: amazing. Jamie, where can people find you if they want to continue the conversation or have additional questions?
1: Absolutely. I'm on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, you can find me at the underscore communication, underscore expert, the communication expert. Um, we will also be launching our new website. Uh, you can find us at thecomexperts.com. Um, that is going to be very exciting. There we'll be offering all kinds of things, including communication coaching from people who are professionals in their field and professors. So they have real world um, communication applied experience. And we're moving all of academia into our our real contextual life space. And so I'm very excited that we'll have people there to provide some communication coaching, business training, of course, um, keynotes, all kinds of, uh, fun things. I've just launched a masterclass on that website. So you can, uh, get on and purchase the masterclass uh, communication one-on-one. We just talk about a lot of very fundamental things in communication that most people probably don't know about. So, uh, but yeah, you can find me, find me online. You could probably just Google the communication expert and I'm probably just hopefully, hopefully, right? Just pop right up there. So I'd love to chat with you.
0: Yeah. Thank you again for being with us. Really appreciate your time
1: and, and the episode and all of your tips and tricks. Oh my gosh. Thank you for inviting me. It's such a pleasure. I'm a big fan, like girl fanning over here. So thank you.
0: As always, thank you for listening. Check us out on Instagram at badass basic bitch. And thank you to saw and sign our production studio. We'll see you next week.